Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. said early in the service, we have a, a dynamic couple here, uh, Paul and Christy Robinson. They are missionaries in Colombia, and they predominantly work with the police in Colombia, which you can imagine is a, is a pretty uh, crazy, awesome ministry. And... Um, I think they were here about six years ago, and we gave uh, Paul a window and um, to, to share with what they were doing. And I, I remember thinking six years ago that I made a big mistake because I didn't I didn't give them the whole service. And so we are here to rectify that mistake <laughs> this morning, and we're going to just turn him loose to preach and to share with you all that God is doing in their ministry. And uh, he's kind of a fireball, so. You ready for that? All right. Well, give them a big hand as they come, and God bless them. Oh, praise the Lord. Wow, I've got some, oh, thank you. Very quickly, I've got some ground rules. <laughs> Did you hear that? Did you hear what he said to me? I'll lower it for you. <laughs> what a wonderful pastor. <laughs> I'm glad he's my friend. <laughs> Oh, praise God. Well, let me, let me start again. So there's a beautiful spirit here, amen? amen. The spirit of the Lord is here. Right. Wow, what a beautiful atmosphere. Well, um, here's the ground rules. I don't even think I need to give it to you, but the ground rules are this. If you, during the service, feel led to shout hallelujah, do so. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. Because we have an eternal king, amen? Yeah. We have Jesus Christ, our Savior. Savior of the world. Wow. Think about that just for a moment. Regardless of all the things that go on in our world, even in our own lives, friends' lives, etc., no matter what happens, we have a Savior who has given us eternal life. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It's exciting. Well, hey, let me get started. Um, Yes, Pastor's right. It was about six years ago when we were here, and a long time, a lot of things have passed. So I've got about maybe 35 minutes or so. I've got to pack it in and kind of give you an update. Because first of all, you need to know that this church has been a very strong, integral part of our ministry, giving to missions, being a part of missions, praying for us, also financially supporting us on a monthly basis. This helps us do our work. So very quickly, I just want to say, my wife and I want to say to you, thank you so very much for your faithfulness. And not just for us, but for all the other missionaries that you support too. Because we are an extension of this church. We are family, are we not? Yes. We are family. We are a body of Christ. And I got to tell you, when we arrived home six months ago, I said to Christy, it's good to be home. There's nothing like home. Would you stand up, Christy? This is my wife, Christy, and she's my everything. She just takes care of everything. And so, well, I'll tell you what. The Lord is already here, so I will not open in prayer because we're already, I mean, the Lord's speaking to hearts, and he's going to, I believe, this morning. So let me begin just by, um, yeah, start here. We send out a quarterly newsletter 
and uh, most of our churches that support us where we go throughout uh, the middle, Midwest and other places, we, we send them our quarterly, news, our quarterly newsletter. And it's a letter that just kind of gives a brief update on what we are doing in Colombia. And so they receive it, and at the end of this letter, we end it with our, just a closing, you know, like you would, a letter. And so it says, why we do what we do. And then it's followed by, because, and this is our response, because he first loved us. Amen? Amen? Because he first loved us. Wow. We have a God who loves us. Let me read this to you from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12 and verse 19. It speaks about love. This morning, whatever you do, when you leave here, remember one thing, that God loves us. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 and verse 19, it says this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. In verse 19, it says we love each other because he loved us first. How many here have a favorite scripture? You know, like a go-to scripture. Let me see your hands, please. You got a favorite scripture? Yeah, go-to scripture. If you don't have one, find one. There are many to choose from. Have a go-to scripture because I guarantee you in this life, in this world, you will face, you will encounter many hardships, various things. But that when you have a scripture or two or three or many in your mind, but you, you have that favorite one that you fall back on, it will be there and it will strengthen you and it will carry you through difficult times. Missionaries oftentimes face difficulties. Very different culture, right? Cultures can be different. The way we speak and all these other things can be very difficult. So we have a go-to scripture. And this scripture, because he first loved us, reminds Christy and me oftentimes why we are there. Away from our family, our children, our friends, our culture, all these things. And sometimes you just come to a point, you say, Lord, what are we doing here? And then that scripture comes to mind because he first loved us. And this compels us to take the good news to the National Police of Colombia and their families. I'm going to give you an update. But before I do, I've got a video to show you. Now, this video is just a little capsule. It's just a little vision of how our ministry works. But it's very exciting for us. I pray that you will you'll get a good a better understanding of what we're doing. So, brother, if you're ready to roll it, we're good.
So that's just a short glimpse of how our ministry works, which I'll explain a little bit more to you in just a moment. But let me continue with this. Um, how many here like seasons? Seasons. We're, what season are we in right now? This is winter. Which <laughs> we are waiting for spring. We're looking forward to spring, aren't we? I know I kind of am. Uh, I do like snow when it's nice and white, but when it gets dirty, then I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. But um, living in Colombia, we don't have snow where we live. So coming home after all these years is like, oh, snow. Yes. Anyway, so we're going through a season. Right now we are in winter, looking forward to spring. Well, in ministry and even in our own lives, we go through seasons, don't we? Thank goodness they're seasonal. I mean, we have issues in our lives, things we come, uh, we encounter. And oftentimes we say, Lord, when is this season going, going to end? Or sometimes you say, Lord, keep the season going, right? And so our ministry, we have been going through many, many seasons over the years. And so in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 1, the author writes this. There is a time for everything, and everything on earth has its special season. Now, in October of 2019, after 12 years of living in the capital city, called Bogota, we moved. We, here's the story. A pastor friend contacted us and he said, hey, I want you to come and visit me in this city called Bucaramanga. Say that real fast a couple of times. Anybody can say Bucaramanga? Oh, you guys, oh, you're good. Bucaramanga, very good. So we went to visit him in this town. And it's a small town. We, Bogota was like uh, eight and a half million people. Bucaramanga is like one and a half, much smaller. So we went to visit him, and it was the strangest request, just come and visit me. Let's like vacation a little bit. And we thought, this is odd. But we went to visit him, spent a few days there, went around and saw some of the various sites in the city. We returned back to Bogota, and we thought, that was really odd. Several months went by. We really didn't think anything about it. The pastor calls us again, the same pastor. And he says, Paul, Christy, I need you to come visit me in this city again. And I thought, okay, look, I've got a lot of work. You know, don't you know I'm busy? <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So anyway, we went. And we arrived there, and he introduced us to some pastors there. He, he took us around to some other places that he was very familiar with. And he just, it was just strange. We visited a Bible seminary there, which was just a house and I say just a house, that's what it was. It was a house that they rented, very small, had about three rooms in it that could hold about six students in each room. That was their Bible seminary. Anyway, so we saw all of this. The night before we left, Christy and I were sitting there talking to each other, and, and she's, I looked at her, and I said, Babe, what's the Lord saying to you? She looks back at me, and she says, Oh, we're moving here. And I thought, I knew it! I knew it. And so the Lord had been speaking to me that he wanted us to make a move. But she confirmed it. And so, hallelujah. Isn't that good when you have a witness, when you have to make a decision or something? You, you know, you have another witness that says, honey, either I don't believe that's right. We need to pray about it more. Or, yes, the Lord is saying the same thing to me. So she witnessed to this. And I said, okay. So we had to make a big move. Let me tell you something. When missionaries move into a country, when they're called to a certain place and they go, normally wherever they land, they seem to just stick there. They, they settle down. 
And we thought we would be in Bogota until the Lord said it's time to go home. But we knew now we had to make a move. It's not easy moving, let me tell you. It was a lot of work. But we made the move. So we moved to this city called Bucaramanga. This city is known for two things. Number one, it's parks. Parks. And number two, it's known for its ants. Yeah, ants. And let me tell you something, they're seasonal. This is what we learned. We moved into this place, and one day Chrissy says to me, Paul, where are all these ants coming from? And you know those little pesky ants, little black ones that are really small, you can barely see them? Especially when you get older, you can't see anything. But, you know, they're like coming out of the wall, and they're working their way across the floor, and they're going up into the walls or a cabinet. But these things start to show up, and sometimes they're carrying things. You know, yeah, ants are strong. So anyway, we see them, and we couldn't get rid of them. But we learned that these things come and they go. They were just seasonal. So we dealt with it. The next thing we learned is that they also eat ants. They're seasonal. Ants are seasonal. They're a snack. Yeah, how many here like Fritos? I like Fritos. I can usually smell Fritos. When somebody's eat, opening up a bag of corn chips, I usually can smell them. And I'm like, oh, we were, we were at a church one day, and there were some young people. Where are all my young people? I got, oh, they're everywhere. Young people. I'm talking to you guys. You know who you are. Now, here's the deal. You know how you like to mess with older people, like your parents? They're a little bit older than you, right? Or you mess with other people because you got your own way of speaking, various things going on. You're like, watch this. You know, I, I was there many years ago. We all were there one time. But I'm speaking to you guys right here, and there's others. But so you know what I'm talking about, how you like to mess with older people, play mind games and other stuff. I saw these young men standing by the church, and they had a bag, and they're eating something from it. And I thought, they're eating Fritos. I can smell it. But I walked up to them. I said, hey, what are you guys eating? And they said, ants. And I thought, oh, these guys are messing with the old guy. Uh-huh. I thought, you're messing with me. So I didn't tell them that, but I said, no, really, what are you eating? And they said, ants. And they showed them to me. And they said, you want some? So, you know, sometimes, folks, you have to do the missionary thing. You know, if you're a missionary, you got to be missionary, right? So they said, do you want some? It would have been terrible if I said, nah, that's okay. But I said, sure, I'll take some. And they poured some into my hand. And sure enough, there were these big brown ants. And you know what? They were fried. They weren't alive. They were dead. They were fried. And I looked at them, and they're looking at me. And I knew they were waiting for this guy to eat these ants. So I put them in my mouth thinking, yeah, I'll show them. So I put them in my mouth. I started chewing on them. And sure enough, they tasted like Fritos. And I thought, oh, man, these are Fritos, right? So I'm thinking, these are pretty good. And they look at me again and go, you want some more? And I said, I should have not done it. I shouldn't have. Not, shouldn't have. I said, sure. And they poured some more in my hand. I looked at them, put them in my mouth, started chewing on them. As I was swallowing, I realized we got a problem. I cannot swallow these ants. They were get, like clogging my throat. And so they weren't, they didn't taste bad. They just, I could not get them down my throat. And so I'm sitting there trying to clear my throat. And these young people, you guys, are sitting there watching. These guys are smiling big. I'm thinking, they're having fun with me. I'm choking. And all of a sudden, I also realized that as I'm doing this, I thought, what are, what's in my teeth? I realized that then that I had the legs of the ants in my teeth. So that's not pretty. 
So that was the whole deal. So these young guys, they're just like having a good time with me. And nobody offered me any water. But I remember that was a moment where I thought, never again. But I got to tell you the truth. I have eaten them again, but with some water. They're like Fritos. So Bucaramanga is known for their ants. They're seasonal. And they cultivate these ants, and they're seasonal as well. They fry them. They sell them on the street. So if you ever come to Colombia on a mission team, which we'd love to have a mission team from this church or two or whatever, but if you ever come, you need to say, hey, Paul, what about them ants? <laughs> okay? Anyway, so we made this move, and we learned, uh, again, that this is what they're known for. Now, we had to meet with the pastors there because they wanted to know, what's this about your ministry? What are you doing? Christy and I were very excited. We got, to get, we got dressed up, went to a church where the presbyter and all these other ministers were there. And we began to share with them. We were very excited about sharing what we were going to do, what our ministry had been doing over the years in Bogota, and how we worked with the police, and we were seeing hundreds and hundreds of officers come to know Christ as their Savior. You can say, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! hallelujah. It's exciting when people come to know Christ. Amen? Amen? Just for a moment, think about when you received Jesus. Wasn't that exciting? It wasn't like, oh, wow, I guess I'm saved now. No, it's like, hallelujah, I have Jesus in my life. Eternal life. I have a, I have a message to shout, to share with others. Well, we shared with them what we planned on doing, what God was doing in our ministry in Bogota. And this is what took place. We looked at these men, they looked at us, and we realized something was wrong. And we, we saw that they were, they didn't understand our ministry. They said, don't you know that they're corrupt? The police are corrupt. Of course I know they're corrupt. I've been working with them for 12 years. But wouldn't, isn't it a good idea that the Lord would put a mission team or mission, missionaries in a place where the officers are corrupt, are, you know, where they need to know Jesus? Wouldn't this be a good strategic place, right? Yeah. To reach the authorities? For Christ, well, they said, we never heard about this type of thing. And how are you going to do this? Don't you know that no one trusts the police? There were many questions. They really questioned our ministry. And when we returned home, I remember looking at Christy. She looked at me, and we went to that go-to scripture of ours. Because he first loved us. Brothers and sisters, this is the real deal. Because Jesus first loved us, he loves us so much, right, that he died on the cross for our sins that we might have eternal life. Eternal life? I mean, that's a long time. It's forever. Hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. And we cannot just keep this to ourselves. So we return to that scripture because he first loved us, and this propels us. This, brothers and sisters, should propel you, the church, individually and corporately. We must reach those outside this church. Remember, one day you were outside this church. That's right. We have a responsibility to share the love of Christ. You know something? When you start doing that, it gets easier and easier. It does. Well, our ministry has been growing. Here's what we've been doing. Kind of in a, another nutshell. This is what's been happening. This is exciting. Our ministry, our main focus was reaching the police and their families. That was our focus from day one when the Lord called us to, to be missionaries in Colombia. I have a past history. I was a police officer. How many police officers are here today? We got some officers here, don't we? I know we have some. Well, here's the deal. They are our heroes, aren't they? Amen. 
We, as you saw in the scripture, we need. Yeah, hallelujah. We can clap for them. We need to support them. They are that line that protects us. And we need to pray for them. Well, our ministry, that, they were our focus, our love. That's where our hearts were and still are. But here's what's happened. Seasons, expansion. We are now also working with chaplaincy ministry and church planting. We've always worked with church planting, helping other churches grow. But chaplaincy ministry caught us by surprise. Very quickly, on our ministry with the police, here's how we kind of do this. Because of you, because of your support, finances that come to our ministry account, we are able, I call it the well, which the well is really Jesus. But every time we go to the well, the well is never dry. We bring in teams that come to Columbia. They fly there on their own dime. They come to Columbia, and they provide the training for the police officers, training that they need to keep them alive. We try to train trainers so they can duplicate the same training. But at the same time, during all of our training, we have been given carte blanche freedom on government property to share Jesus Christ with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. During our training, listen to this, ministry. Ministry is relational, right? Ministry, this church is relational. All of you are this body of Christ, and we should rub elbows with each other, right? Even sometimes we have a little bit of difficulty with each other. Does that happen every now and then within the church? We're family. Sometimes I think sometimes families squabble. But we can work through that, right? Because of Jesus. But the deal is this. We are relational beings. And we, I remember when I was in Bible seminary many years ago, one of the professors said we were created to be related. Related to who? Him. Be related to God and then each other. We have a responsibility to share Jesus. So during our ministry, we are super relational, in your face, a lot of energy, a lot of sharing scripture. People receive scripture. Why? Because it's alive. It's God's word. It speaks to us. It's life eternal. We give them the training one week. We love on them, share Jesus, cry with them, sweat with them. And at the end of the day, People come to know Christ. You know, we're seeing over 90% of the officers that we work with receive Jesus into their lives. Hallelujah! That's 9 out of 10! Hallelujah! This, brothers and sisters, is all the glory to God. But remember this. It's not just us out there. It's you folks and many others who pray and labor in prayer for this ministry. Who have Your prayers have prepared prepared the terrain for us where we are sowing seed over the years. Your giving does the same thing. Again, the well, the well is our account where we are able to draw funds from to provide the training for these officers. It's exciting, brothers and sisters. When people come to know Christ, it's exciting. Even the scriptures say this. Listen to this. In Luke 15, verse 7, it says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who, re who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
One person. Every person is important to the Lord. Amen? Well, our ministry is growing, expanding. Again, I say we weren't asking for it, but God wanted to give it to us. He called us there. He put us there. So now we are working with chaplains. What's a chaplain? A chaplain, basically, I, I like to put it this way. A chaplain is a person, like a pastor, who has a calling. That calling is very important, brothers and sisters. Your pastor has a calling to be a pastor. Amen? Amen. You have other people here on staff that have a calling. It's not just a, oh, yeah, I think I can do that for a while. It sounds like a good job. No, he is called. They are called of God. And God even speaks to us or other people like chaplains who, again, have a calling and training to minister to specific people groups, mostly outside the church, places like government institutions, hospitals, prisons, with law enforcement, and other, even industries. Chaplains, you'll, you'll find chaplains there. And in Colombia, airports. Now, in, 2000, in 2021, there were, we have a chaplain on the island of San Andres. He's a pastor. And he's also a chaplain. He came through our ministry and became a chaplain. In 2021, two police officers on this island responded to a home where there was a, a music or a noise disturbance, they call it. And you might think, oh, what's a bunch of noise? They go and they tell them to turn it down. Well, it wasn't that simple. These officers responded there, and they never left. They were killed on the line of duty, all at a home because of a noise disturbance. The commander of the police force there knew the chaplain. He's an assembly of God minister. She contacted him. She said, I don't know what to do. I need help. Can you help me? Because of his training, he was able to go and be with the grieving families, those of the fallen officers. He was also to, able to minister to the officers there on that island because they, too, were grieving, not understanding how their fellow officers would be killed in the line of duty. But chaplaincy is beginning to absolutely explode uh, through our ministry called Heroes of Justice. And it's exciting, brothers and sisters, to see this happen. Church planting. We work with a little church. It's in a place called La Cumbre. It's in, on a mountain, a very poor area that overlooks the city. What's interesting about this city is that you can go, or La Cumbre is you can go up there where the church is, and you can see across the whole valley, you get the most beautiful panoramic view of the city of Bucaramanga, up in the poorest section of, of that area. And that's where our church is. That's where we've been working. Now, this is really exciting because this church is small. I mean, it holds, packed, it'll hold about, well, 80 people. It's really small, but this is our church. And so we have a lady pastor. When Christy and I started working with her, she needed help, and we knew the Lord wants to help her. We saw that they had almost nothing, no materials, no tables. I mean, they were absent. All the nice things that many of our churches have in the States, they did not have. And she was going, along with some of her team members in the church, they were going to the parks. Remember I mentioned the parks? They go into the parks, and they find the children. On weekends, the, the Colombian people love going. Latinos love the parks because it's a family place. They're very family-oriented. So they meet on the parks on the weekends. So she would go up there on the weekends along with her small team and with, through puppets, 
and also through music, she would draw the children in. And the children, you know, kids love music. I love music. Must be a kid still. But kids are drawn in. And puppets, I mean, they're exciting, they're fun. And so when they see these things going on in the park, they're gra they gravitate towards that. And next thing you know, they're invited to the church. You got to see it. You want, it's amazing. This little church on, on, on Saturday nights, they have a thing called Kids Club. It's packed full of energy. It's full of kids. You know, little ones from about five years old to about 14. And they come. Now picture this. They're hungry, so you try to feed them. You got to feed the people, don't you? You're gonna, you're, we're going to share Jesus with them. But when they're hungry, you got to feed them. So they come and they get something to eat. And they come to hear about Jesus. And they have fun. And they're relational. They're, they're getting to know each other, right? Becoming friends. And they hear about Jesus, how Jesus loves them. And before you know it, these children receive Jesus into their lives. And they go home and they tell mom and dad about it. And now we start to see, here comes mom. Sometimes dad's not with them. But at least we got one. Here comes mom because she wants to see what's going on. This church is growing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are many ways to reach the lost, the spiritually lost, just like your church. I've been talking to your pastor. I'm hearing all the things that this church, this body of Christ is doing. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing how you are being creative and reaching people outside these four walls. Ministry is relational. Jesus is relational. Amen? He loves us. Well, are you ready for the, how many here like the best for last? I've got the best for last. I'm going to give it to you really quickly. This is, the, I've saved the best for last. Here it is. It's vanilla ice cream. <laughs> hey, did you ever hear that? Very quickly. You ever go into a, like, uh, years ago they have this ice cream place called um, Baskin Robbins. And they were known for 31 flavors. 31 flavors. And everybody like, oh, man, they got so many flavors, right? And then you got your friend who's with you and he says, sir, what'd you like? I like vanilla. You know what I mean? It's like, are you kidding me? You want vanilla? You got 31 flavors, and you want vanilla. Wow. Anyway, here's the best for last. We are on a, a project, a building project. This is a season. The Lord spoke to us many year, a number of years ago, seven years ago, actually, told Christy and me that we would have a ministry center, Heroes of Justice Ministry Center for the police and their families, it would be a place where we could bring the officers in, a facility that's safe, safe for them and their families only, not for other people, but for them. It'd be a place where we could train or, or provide specialized police training for them on our property, discipleship training, very, very important. When people come to know Christ, they need to be discipled, right? We got to disciple them so they can be discipled there. And life skills training for them and their children because if they're able to, for example, learn English or learn other life skills, this will give them a, a step ahead or help them to be a couple steps ahead in life just in this ministry center. And picture this. We learned that the Bible seminary, the people there told us, We've been praying for a Bible seminary for over 25 years. I thought, there's a lot of prayer in 25 years. We'd only been praying for seven. We didn't have our ministry center yet, but they've been praying for 25 years. That's a long time, right? 
Let me tell you something. If you're praying for a loved one or whatever is you're praying for, you may say, it's a long train coming. Where's the answer, Lord? Don't stop praying. Keep on praying. Satan would tell you to stop. Don't stop praying. Again, when we learned about, learned about their need, the Lord spoke to Christy and me and said, talk to them about connecting your ministry with them. I thought, wow. It's like this. God, what a novel idea. You know what I mean? I mean, God's God. He knows what's needed, right? And here I'm thinking, that's amazing to connect them both. So they will be able to, with a Bible seminary of their own, not a place that they rent, but their own building connected with ours, they'll be able to prepare men and women to be pastors, teachers, leaders in the church, chaplains, and even, guess what? Missionaries. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what we're doing now in this season, we are combining our resources. We're praying. We're increasing our home itinerating right now. That's basically a, we're home for a year to share what the Lord is doing through this ministry. And also we're here to raise financial support to build or to construct this building. Very quickly, it's going to be four levels. If you go out into the lobby before you leave, Please take one of these brochures. It's, um, if I can get it, there's a brochure out there. It looks like this. And on the back, it has our property. Here's what I ask of you. It's a challenge to consider giving to this project. It's also a challenge to just be praying for this center. You can lay hands on it, whatever you want to do, but be praying for this because we know that this is God's promise and he is going to provide everything we need to build this ministry center. Again, four levels. We'll have a parking lot, our area, our own personal area for the officers, another area for the Bible seminary. So what's the fourth one, babe? Did I miss one? Oh, a cafeteria, a common cafeteria. Now here is the, this is the genius. This is God behind all this. I don't know if I told you, but in Colombia, most pastors in the, in the community do not care for the police. They're like tax collectors. They don't want the police in the church. They don't want anything to do with them. This is kind of how it is in Colombia. There is no trust for the police. So now, interestingly enough, picture this place where we have officers coming and their family members. And we have a Bible seminary there who has pastors and men and women who are being trained for ministry who really don't care about the police because of the corruption. But now they got to come together. They got to come together and what? Rub elbows. We're believing that they're going to see that these men and women, the law enforcement community, they're simply, they're just like them. They are men and women. And they're children that Jesus loves as well. And I believe they're going to see that they're human and we can love them. Remember, God's love in us is an it should be expressed through us. Amen? It should flow through us. As I close, it says this. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, I like this. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come 
to a knowledge of the truth. Did you catch that? He wants all people to be saved, including the National Police of Colombia and their families. Only because of God's love can this be accomplished. So I ask this of you. Be praying. Be praying again. What would God have you do? I've of, I often hear people say heaven is not bankrupt. Have you ever heard that? Heaven is not bankrupt. And so we know that as people partner, and you again, you have partnered with us in many things, but we just ask you to consider this as we move forward in this season. <clears throat> the author writes this in Ecclesiastes. There's a time to destroy and a time to build. So this is where we stand today. Would you again partner with us in building? May the Lord bless you and your missions endeavors. May the Lord bless this church and all that you do. When you leave this place, may you walk out of here full of God's love. And may it flow through you daily, brothers and sisters. The time is short. You saw on that video, it says the time is urgent. And it is urgent. So take God's love beyond these four walls and love those, even those may, that may not seem lovable. Amen? Lord bless you, Pastor. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.